Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another Optimal Bio podcast. Today, we have Dr. Greg Brennan of Optimal Bio and Dr. Stephanie Rimka from Brain and Body Solutions. Uh, Dr. Rimka is a, a second-time a guest on the uh, podcast today, and I'm actually very excited and looking forward to you know, the discussions back and forth with uh, Dr. Brandon and Dr. Rimka. So just to refresh the audience, um, if both of you with Dr. Rimka starting first, could just give a brief, brief background on yourself and uh, your practice and how you got started, uh, and then we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me back again. I'm super excited, uh, especially to talk with uh, Dr. Greg about some interesting uh, ways we can enhance brain performance. So I do specialize in the brain, and particularly natural and holistic ways to reverse or mitigate mental health issues. Uh, I got started um, 25 some years ago, probably because I grew up in a home full of mental illness and drug addiction and alcoholism. And I wanted to find a way to make sure nobody ever went through that. So I kind of focused on kids and with learning disorders and things of that nature to try and mitigate the circumstances that ended up with them leading to drugs and alcohol and, and prison, since that's what my family is kind of littered with, and that's what I grew up with. Uh, my nephew became autistic, actually, while I was in graduate school, and that kind of, uh, I still had to focus on the brain to do with that, but it led me down a path of nutrition and gastrointestinal health and then neurofeedback much stronger than would have ever happened had that diagnosis not happened. So my practice primarily focuses on looking at genetics and how uh, lifestyle and diet and supplements are used in an orthomolecular psychiatry approach that Abram Hoffer basically invented out of, uh, he's a psychiatrist out of Canada who's no longer, long, no longer with us. So I use a lot of that information coupled with labs and neurofeedback QEEGs to do uh, brain uh, repair, looking at change in the structure and function of brain waves, as well as brain structure with the right nutrients um, and detox protocols, things of that nature. Can you go into a little more detail on the ortho? Yeah, orthomolecular psychiatry. Yes. yes. Yeah, so that's a small niche of functional medicine. Uh, Dr. Abram Hoffer, he was a psychiatrist out of Canada and he was an extraordinary uh, man. So most of what I know, I learned from him. And he also um, worked with Carl Pfeiffer and he got to the point eventually he was so disgusted with Western medicine, he gave in, he turned in his license um, against the Canadian Psychiatric Association. He cured thousands of cases of schizophrenia and many other uh, situations. So um, it's his training and, and his work that a lot of us are doing. And we picked up certain organizations have kind of picked up the baton. Um, and there's the Pfeiffer Institute in, in uh, Texas, and they kind of specialize in the schizophrenia. The Walsh Institute kind of specializes a little bit more in autism, ADHD, depression. Um, and so we're learning more and more about ways to use nutrient and nutrient therapy and looking at genetics and methylation um, and histamine, things like that, and how that is actually causative. And we can stop looking at people and saying they're mentally ill. They just have a brain disorder and we can heal it. Right, and then they can not have to suffer with these intrusive thoughts or delusions or hallucinations, things of that nature. Fascinating. So, your practice obviously is taking it to a different level, where you're not just going through the ABCs of scripts 
setting somebody off and, and hopefully they'll, they'll become better over time. Right. I can't write a script. I'm not a physician. I'm actually, I was a therapist in, in, and then a, a doctor of chiropractic and then a board certified neurofeedback therapist, BCN. So I don't, I can't be lazy. I don't have 30 seconds. I, I can't write something. I can't do a powerful benzo in 30 seconds or a, or a methamphetamine. I have to figure things out at a fundamental level. I have to spend a lot of time with people. Um, that's the way I've always done it because I don't know how you can help somebody with autism in seven or 10 minutes. I have no idea if somebody could that magical wand or with schizophrenia or bipolar or PTSD. And that is all I see, you know, borderline personality disorder, uh, dissociative identity disorders. You can't do that in 10 minute visits, 15 minutes. You can't even do that in 20 minutes. So it takes time and it takes often a team. I definitely, you know, I can't do everything. I have what I am focused on and the influences. I know there's so many, um, the, the beautiful part of the brain, right? The, like, there's really not that many things that are pillars. So it's like, you know, you need like 300 some plus nutrients and, and things that go on in the entire body. And eh, there's seven to 10 pillar components to brain performance. And once those are all in place, it, it'll trickle down and handle everything else that, that's downstream. So that's the beautiful part of what I have to do. I don't micromanage all these bizarre things in the big toe. I just go right to the top. Um, and one of those components, again, electricity, magnetism, neurotransmitters, amino acids, fats, your, your basic copper, B vitamins, zinc levels, things like that, that I have to test and assess. Um, and then hormones, right? So those are, and that's what you guys do very well. And I would outsource like getting help if I need that component handled. I work with another clinician. I work with therapists that do the DBT therapy or the, the dissociative identity specialist that handles that talk therapy part while I handle the structure uh, of the brain and, and the way it's linking up with itself and communicating with itself. Excellent, perfect segue, by the way. Maybe you should host a podcast. Uh, Dr. Brandon, let's go to you. Uh, we've been up for a while now. We have our 10th year. Um, I am trained as an allopathic OBGYN for years. I was a clinical professor years ago. I uh, loved OBGYN, um, but I did see things are, in our lack of training with nutrition, our lack of training, look at the whole individual. And that led me down a path. Um, now I'm board certified and fellow in integrative medicine as well, of uh, connecting how our body works with nutrition. When I heard her talk, all I'm thinking about is mitochondria. Mitochondria, when that becomes dysfunctional in a brain cell, you have your Parkinson's, your Alzheimer's, you have, um, you have um, you know, mitochondria dysfunction in your heart, you have CHF. Mitochondria is our energy. And, and the cornerstone for all this, I truly believe is a strong um, testosterone hormone system, be it your thyroid, be it your adrenals, be it your sex hormones, because those are foundational gasolines for this beautiful Ferrari we have called the human body. So I love what she talked about because it is simplistic. It's like if she had to sit there and think, okay, what 300 million um, things I'm going to give to the cell, we can't do that. And, and Western medicine is, all, we, all Western medicine does is it destroys an enzyme or destroys a receptor site. But you give something like, like vitamin D, it affects over 3,000 genes in our body. You stop cholesterol with statins, cholesterol forms 80% of the brain cholesterol forms 50% of every cell membrane. It's the core for every sex hormone. So these cascades and, and knowing the biochemistry can help our body 
not just heal itself, but prevent sickness in the first place. So I think looking at the whole pathic, which talking about her gut, Hoffman's papers, I was reading, I remember his papers talking about uh, doing schizophrenia in the 50s where they cut the vagal nerve and that went away because the gut immune brain's triad is crucial to all this. Mm -hmm. When the, when the, uh, when the microbe in the gut actually is where the neurotransmitters are made, they're transfers to the brain for the brain to utilize them. But people use these, these, these Zoloft and Prozacs, that's not doing anything to the actual root cause of this. So I'm intrigued to hear her talk today. So question for both of you, I mean, from a mental health or, or uh, brain health, what are you both seeing in, in your patients these days? It's not good. Um, you know, we were already, you know, the stats from just a couple of years ago, you know, typically 50% of the American population is on a psychiatric medication at right now all the time. The numbers are definitely going up. Um, the stress, the, the incredibly unnatural, unhuman state we've been asked to live in for the last 15 to 18 months or whatever with decreased social contact, isolation, constant fear mongering, um, and wearing masks, quite frankly, that has, that in and of itself has triggered severe PTSD reactions, uh, panic in many, many, many of my patients. I have a, lots of women, as you can only imagine, who come to see me with PTSD, anxiety, post-rape. Rape is very, very high. Sexual molestation is very, very high. I don't know, people seem to forget these numbers, but they're very real. And these are real people walking around with these issues and they're already getting help. You put a mask on a woman who had a man covering her mouth while he was raping her, it's a nightmare. So my practice has been incredibly overwhelmingly stressful for the last year and a half, ranging from my families with autism. So all the families with the special needs children, these, these kids either like my nephew hasn't gone to school. He has autism. There was no, we're not putting a mask on him. So he didn't go to school. Luckily, my sister was in a situation she could work it out. She actually just had to quit a job. You know, I was like, screw it. This is how we're going to do it. But families have had to make severe uh, adjustments. Mothers lost their respite care. You know, going to school gave that mom a chance to take a break from the constant uh, strain she's under, taking care of a child with a brain disorder. Um, that's been hard. So they've been not sleeping well. They've been overwhelmed. Their hormones are getting destroyed. They're gaining weight just because the fight or flight is turned on so much. Um, of course, people are going back to drinking, eating a lot more sugar. They're tr smoking more weed, anything they can do to try and calm down because they're not able to get rest. They're not able to turn off the nonsense. So it's been, it's been very, very hard. Um, and I think even when you're trying, like I have done, a very good job personally to keep shield myself from certain information, make sure I still stay connected, make sure I still see my family and hug and things like that. But all, but a lot of things that I was used to doing are just gone. I simply couldn't get the same type of care and I know it's depleted me. So with somebody who was as conscious as me and taking peptides and eating right and doing the things and still doing the sauna and making sure I'm prioritizing sleep and getting in the sun every day, I'm still drained. I'm still wiped out. So you can only imagine for people who don't know to do that and just started drinking more and more wine every day and having more and more cake and ice cream every day because they cannot handle the stress that's go what's going on of their kids now everyone being at home and no one able to go to work. So it's it's been very, very tough. Um, I've definitely seen uh, 
just some very tough situations. You know, if you're already have a lot of suicidal ideation, this has not been a year, a very good year for you. You kind of took me by surprise when you mentioned rape before. And, you know, we've obviously heard about, you know, increase in uh, sexual violence at home and domestic abuse and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, that was that, that took me by surprise. Well, Dr. Paul wrote a paper January, uh, March of 2020 saying suicides will increase, molestation will increase, depression will increase. Because this isn't this is not hard. We've had rat studies for hundreds, you know, for hundred years. You isolate people, you put them in, you you condense them in this place where they can't have socialization. Things are going to happen. A uh, couple things. We need to talk about this. Our, our practice, we've grown forty percent over this time during this time because people are looking at. I wrote a paper on PTSD on how uh, the cornerstone of this would be testosterone for the limbic system to enhance that. The probiotics again for the gut to talk to the healing for the brain. But you talked about this mask. This is crucial to understand. The body has a flight and a fight response. You cover the way you breathe. Your body responds physiologically and psychologically to this. Our room is 20.5% oxygen. Anything under set under 19%, our body will start doing these physiological adaptions, panic attacks, things like that. With a mask on within 30 seconds, it's at 16% oxygen. As a surgeon, but Greg, you wear a mask in surgery. Yes, I do. But the room set at 24% oxygen. This is things that they don't explain. The, the media wants to scare you for a certain response. That's what this is. 66% of human, uh, human uh, uh, contact is facial expressions. They want to stop humanity. And that's why it's important for us to stand up and not allow them to dictate our, our manners. But for we, so we can be there for those who are having these responses. Uh, when you talk about the autism, uh, Wakefield's original paper, he was just a GI specialist looking at the gut. The gut was where the, uh, where, where the MMR vaccine sat, which caused it an inflammation because the original uh, autism was a, uh, autistic colitis first. So is it, it was a gut issue that led to the brain. So I hear you talk. We were never trained to look at different systems together. It was different systems separately. Right. So, and we always never think of it. it's in your head. It's in your head. No, it's in your head because that's where your brain is. That's where the molecules are changing. That's where you need, like you talk about the essential fatty acids, you start looking at vitamin D, vitamin C has been shown to decrease dementia. Uh, we have about 12 patients with Parkinson's. It's not going to cure Parkinson's, but with the right supplementation, the right steroid basis, it makes the cell healthier. And I go back to the mitochondria. The mitochondria becomes dysfunctional. The cell becomes dysfunctional. Therefore, becomes like in Sassanian Niagara, the dopamine not produced or becomes um, um, uh, there's studies to show, uh, Dr. Warburg's study in uh, 1924 showed that cancer cells only grow on fermentation, not on fat, because they found that cancer only grows on sugar. So all these things you add together, that's why we see these things. But you being the doctor you are, you could put it all together as a human being to find it. I hate the word, I hate the word supplementation. These are essential nutraceuticals that our body needs to function optimally. Iodine is not an option. Zinc is not an option. Vitamin D is not an option. But our body so wonderfully made, it can adapt and survive in suboptimal information uh, situations. But you give it optimal, it could thrive. And that's why I want to make sure I'm, I'm a big believer in preventive. And then also be there because when you have depression disorders you talked about, they're not in their head. They're real. And we got to be able to attack them without a pill and say, see you later. Right. Very much so. And I actually like that you slipped and you said information instead of supplementation, I think, or whatever that was, because it is information. 
it's all information and it does definitely come down the mitochondria. I mean, I love, I, I don't know why I forgot that you were an OBGYN, but you, you know, I'm sure that which was a shock for me. Cause I'm always like, you know, the most concentration of mitochondria is in the brain. Cause I'm in my practice is brain and body solutions. And I knew brain therapy. So like, I like, I like that. Right. And then the second is the heart, but then actually it's the female egg. There's 600,000 or so mitochondria there. And when you realize that, and it really you start to understand the power of the mitochondria and what really it comes down to. And to me, yes, there's hormones, and there's neurotransmitters and there's fatty acids and all this stuff, but that's even actually second story and third story layers versus where, what are we really talking about? We're talking about hydrogen, protons, electrons and neutrons and oxygen all around that mitochondria and what it's really doing well, yeah, and how we have this miracle of that gives us everything yeah, really. But you talked about that. That's very interesting. So you have the mitochondria and all I tell people, lay people is understand mitochondria is where cyanide works. And everybody knows from the movie that cyanide does, you break a capsule and you're dead in seconds. That's seconds. how fast cyanide works. So what makes cyanide unhealthy is a mini version of that. So whatever we do is to make sure we make mitochondria healthy. And you talk about the the, the, uh, the, the human egg is the largest cell of the body, right? 600,000 uh, mitochondria. It's uh, proportional about 80% by weight. The heart's 35% by weight mitochondria. The brain's about six, about 45% weight by mitochondria. So whatever we got to do is what can we do to augment that? And yep. I know we've hit that already with your uh, sugar is poison. Sugar is poison. Uh, fat is is essentials of life. But the problem is, let's go to stat. Let's go to cholesterol real quick. Um, we're told cholesterol causes atherosclerosis. Uh, Dr. DeBakey and Dr. Miller, two of the most famous cardiovascular surgeons in American history, said they've never seen cholesterol cause atherosclerosis. Dr. Mark Houston of Vanderbilt calls atherosclerosis a cause is a vascular inflammation disease. It's not this cholesterol problem. But the thing is, is when you stop cholesterol, what does cholesterol make? One thing it does make is in, in uh, the electron transport chain, complex four, mucol. So it actually stops mitochondria from working. So it's supposed to help the heart, but yet it actually destroys muscle and the heart being the largest muscle in our body. We don't think this stuff through. We just do because we, because the book says, so our doctor says, do this. And that's why it's so important about what numbers are, ranges are. When, you, when I was in school uh, 40, 50 years ago, a high cholesterol was 330. Mm -hmm. High cholesterol is 180. The Japanese study that looked at the largest series, 25,000 people ever showed one of the highest causes, a higher one's cholesterol and a higher one LDL is less cause of death of all causes. All mortality. I know. All mortality. Yeah. So you're like, but, but what about this though? You got to throw this stuff away. Dr. Alice Ansel Keys's paper, 1958, he looked at 34 countries, threw all of them out but seven to meet yeah. his criteria. And I just think, I think that, Criminal. That's the thing people don't understand. That's criminal. That's completely false, you know, research. That, I was, that was a criminal activity. And the, I think doctors become lazy because you say, well, the, the CDC says this, the FDA says this, the number four cause of death in America is FDA approved health medication, 250,000 people a year. And only 1% to 10% of damages are even, are even brought up and actually counted. So the problem is, is Doctors, well, the problem with doctors is they think they know everything. But <laughs> it's the first time in, in American history, the last three years, we've lost, our mortality has decreased. Uh, look at our numbers this pandemic. 
800,000 people less died in 2020 than 2019. Why are questions asked? So that's why it's important that when you're here talking to these people, when this fear, I can't even imagine um, having a, having a, a fear disorder or, or, or listening to the news you know, 24-7 that the world's going to end. And then having these, uh, these, uh, these disorders in, enable me to be, you know, catatonic almost. Why would people not become disabled physically and mentally? Because Absolutely. that right. is the fear. It's your body right. responding. That's why in November of 19, Jim and I did a podcast about COVID back then. And we said, let's not let this fear uh, it, it, uh, disable us. Let's know what we can control. We can control sleep and eating and exercise and hormones and vitamin D. And uh, we talked even back then about quercetin and zinc because we know how it works. Any virus gets beat up by zinc and vitamin D. So let's make sure we prepare us off of that. This is nothing novel about this. This is our body beats this every single day. A strong immune system keeps us healthy. As you know, Pastor and Deepak Champ in the 1880s argued, is it the germ or is it the body? The immune system has been proven. He was, the Pachap was right, that the germ theory is incorrect. So we just have to make sure we have to articulate. Let me ask, let me ask since you're a physician, because like, I'm like, first of all, they told me I was going to love you and I, I, I'm falling in love. So why, like I, when you say the cholesterol thing and I, and I keep going, I'm like, because I'm not a physician, right? So I'm like, they still really say this? Haven't we debunked this? Hasn't this been completely done? But I guess it hasn't because people are still prescribing statins. Yes. I'm, I'm very lucky in the type of patients that come to me typically they are done with allopathic medicine. I mean, the majority of the children are already vaccine injured. Like their parents know what happened. They're done with it. Um, people have been through the kind of recycling of the traditional stuff. Now, I wish they would get to me before I'm like the 10th doctor down the list right. where I'm the last hope. You know, it'd be a whole lot easier if I didn't have to do it then, but um, so they're, they're not on statins usually for the most part. They're, they're, they don't want to eat the standard American diet. They don't want to, they're like, this can't be the solution. They told me I need this pill. That can't be the solution. I'm like, no, no, it's not. We can, we can help. And that being said, I'm not opposed to prescriptions, right? I have to also explain to people the difference between bioidentical hormone replacement, things like thyroid thing. Like, you know, if I'm in a car accident and my pancreas gets shut broken, you guys, I'm going to need insulin. Like there's some things that are, we're just going to have to deal with sometimes. Um, and I also, certain psychiatric meds, I like lithium. Oh, yeah. You know, certain things they do, they do what they got to do sometimes. We're at a certain situation and, and if we can keep a person functional in life compared to being catatonic and having a catastrophic, you know, locked up situation. But I like them sometimes. But I, you know, hearing you say that some of this stuff, like, why do you think the germ theory is still so strong versus the terrain theory where, yeah, Bechamp was right. Like there really is, like, why is the incorrect information still so pervasive? Google Bechamp on Wikipedia, it says his, his, his terrain theory has been debunked. It's fraud. Okay. All right. So again. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess it's because I know don't go to Wikipedia. I think, yeah, I, you know, the, the best advice I give my patients that was given to me 25, 30 years ago, and it's a hard one. When I was in grad school with Dr. Arno Brunier, and this, he's like, let me tell you what you need to do right now. We're all newbies, first year, like eager, you know, graduate students, throw away your TV. Yep. 
Don't watch it. You have no time for it. It's toxic poison. You need to be immersed in everything you need to learn is about holistic, how the body heals. That's all you should be. And none of that stuff on there is going to help you learn that. We have to deprogram you, right? Well, yeah. When you look at Santana or you look at, when you say, you know, if you don't know history, get your danger, uh, repeat it. The thing is, we don't know history. And if you just look back at, I can go over 1909, the Flex Report, where Rockefeller formed the AMA and all that kind of stuff. As you can see the control of this whole government part. But you can look at the 1940s, 1950s, a pregnant woman smoking. Chester Fields, the number one cigarette recommended by doctors. They, people don't want to know history. Right. And doctors can't make a mistake. And that's what's insanity. I'm not anti-medicine. Again, I'm hit by a car. I pray I'm in America. I'm the best trauma surgeon around. There are surgeries I've done. If I wasn't there, I'd have no mommy and no baby. I got it. Yeah. But when you start looking at these things, it's like when you're talking about autism and and Christopher Exner at Exeter University in Exeter University in England, he's the world expert on aluminum. He did studies in Alzheimer's showing that aluminum is on the outside of the cortex. And as you know, aluminum is graded zero to three. 15 people with autism donated their brain after they passed away. And this is three year ago study. And he looked at all these autistic brains and he looked at all of them. Their score, again, three's the max. All their scores are above 10 up to 15. And it wasn't just the cortex, it's not the whole brain. Yeah. Aluminum, the EPA says no more than 25 micrograms of aluminum a year in an adult male. Gardasil is 625. Anthrax is 1,000. Yep. And there's not one study and one vaccine study that used normal saline as a placebo, ever. Right. So these, these, of course you're wrong, Greg. It cured, it cured polio, it cured smallpox. I'm not going to argue the point. All I know is show me where aluminum is beneficial. Show me where mercury is beneficial. The answer isn't. So why then we go over, they're made in aborted baby cells. Now you're, now you're exposed to these diploid human cells, which now turns your immune system on. We can do this all day long. Right. The answer is why, why I don't know. I don't know, but I'm grateful that we're here, you're here, and the booming of integrative uh, uh, holistic medicine is booming from guys with all these diplomas on my back are going, something's wrong in my practice. And we're searching out people like you who've been trained in that. We're searching out people that just ask questions. We used to be asked the Socratic method of learning was always ask a question and then ask more questions. Today, it's don't ask a question. In fact, AMA came out a few years ago, says, Informed consent is the cornerstone of ethical medicine, except for vaccinations. What? I can't ask a question. This right, is so me, we'll cover that later on, but let me that backtrack. Stunned me. That stunned me. Let me yeah. backtrack. Let me let me backtrack for a second. So you had Dr. Ripka mentioned about cholesterol before. And I want to talk about that as it relates to the brain. But case in point, a good friend of mine goes to get his physical done, he gets his uh, lipid panel done. Comes back at 2.52. He works out five days a week. He's very healthy. Um, and they want to automatically throw him on on uh, statins at this point in time and have him go take a stress test. And he has no symptoms um, of any type of, you know, of heart issues when he's working out or anything like that. So um, it's still happening. It's still happening on a regular basis. But getting back to cholesterol, why is it so important for the brain? <laughs> Well, I mean, what he just said, right? Your brain is 70, 80% fat and it's 80% cholesterol, saturated fat and cholesterol. Every cell in your body is making cholesterol except I think the red blood cells. It's so, it, it, all the membranes are cholesterol. Cholesterol is the backbone of, it's, it's, we like to think bones are our structure, right? Bones and muscle is mineral, but the other, the structure of the fluid part of us, the compartmentalized water aspect is cholesterol. 
right? It's, it's an incredibly potent, powerful uh, chemical molecule, whatever, you know, that, that we need. I mean, the brain, I don't ever let a patient get below 220. That's kind of my cutoff number of cholesterol, as far as I'm concerned with brain, because that's the, the number that kind of shows like, that's how we're going to stave off degen neurodegeneration, dementia, and things like that. But I like it higher. Um, and I typically see, because I specialize in mental health problems, I see low cholesterol the majority of the time. So people don't come into me with 250 because they're coming into me with panic attacks, depression, uh, you know, seizures. Their cholesterol's at 130. Two weeks ago, yeah. a paper came out showing cholestriamine that binds that binds in the gut increases dementia. We've known this for yeah. And I've had so many patients on. So when they they're coming to me, they're 60s, 70s and they're doing neurofeedback, right? And so they're coming for cognitive performance, kind of like, just keep it strong. And I just wanna make sure I don't get dementia, that kind of thing. Like I'm forgetting things and what can we do? So we do the brain map. I start upgrading their food, getting them more protein. Usually it's like these women are not eating enough food. It's like, oh God, can we stop with the green smoothie? And can you have a steak? Oh, I love steak. I can have steak. Please mama, eat some steak, okay? I need to feed that brain. So they're always very happy when I tell them that. So we're doing our thing and then we're having, I, you know, so neurofeedback is a two to three time a week um, therapy. You have to do it over and over again to build these neural networks. So two to three months, four months or so people, and then plenty, plenty of people stay with me once a week or so and kind of peak performance when they're in their seventies. They just want to keep that. It's like going to the gym basically, right? For your this intense exercise for their brain. Then we'll start having these problems. And they'll start complaining of things and I'm watching it and I'm like, why are they doing so bad? What is going on? And this and that. And it's looking like their brainwaves are changing. They're looking like they have attention deficit. We're looking like we're having dementia. I'm like, what just happened? And it turns out they went on a statin recently and they didn't tell me about it. And I look at it and they're I'm like, you don't have any cognitive problems. It's the drug. So then I have to call the physician and have the conversation and do the thing and convince them you know, to convince a 70 year old woman or so to have the courage to stand up to her physician in any way is not an easy feat. And I have to be real careful legally what I say and basically teach them. So I, I use my time to, to show them videos and teach them about the study and teach them about cholesterol to get them off of it. And lo and behold, when they stop taking that, cognitive performance returns. You know, and it's, I've seen that so many times. So I have, I do see when that happens, but I can usually get them off of it very quickly. And luckily the kind of doctors that usually refer to me, they're open to it. I'm surprised some of them are still using statins at all. Um, but I'm like, you know, this is what's happening. This is, she doesn't need it. But I think that you guys have been so terrified with these guidelines. Like you're going to lose your, your, your insurance. You're going to lose, you know, your ability to practice or something. If, somebody, if somebody's at 220, you know, yeah, you go to these, these, these insurance places to get these key numbers to get benefits. It's like, they want you sick, but the Japanese study, if I'm correct on that for every, like roughly 20 points of cholesterol increase was like four years increase in life expectancy. Wow. Okay. Um, it, it, it's, it's very frustrating because again, you, cause you're, you're fighting against this tidal wave of what it is. But uh, again, Dr. Houston is at Vanderbilt and uh, 
he explained very clearly, it's, it's, there's only three pathophysiologies that get us sick. Don't care if it's Alzheimer's, diabetes, cancer, it's endothelial damage, vascular damage, immune response, and hyperinflammation. So whatever we're going to do, we want to fix in place those. And what fixes that is the mitochondria being healthy that can come combat all that. But when we start arguing, you know, I don't want to argue any doctors per se on this stuff, but the literature on particle number, that's the key. A cholesterol molecule is in blood. Blood is water, cholesterol is fat. Oil and water doesn't mix. Cholesterol can even be in your bloodstream. It must, it must be wrapped in a boat that is that likes water. So that's a lipoprotein. The lipoprotein, uh, as Dr. Miller says, like blaming a fireman who's at your house putting your fire out for atherosclerosis. But it's the particle. If you have a bunch of those damaging the wall, that's how the passenger cholesterol can be in the area, but it's actually there to heal, not to damage. So what increases particle numbers? That's the problem. And it's sugar. Yeah. It's sugar, number one, genetics, number two. This low-fat diet, the food pyramid from the 70s, all of that has killed more people than anything else. And we got it. it's hard to turn that around because the government said you could do this. Uh, Thomas Jefferson has a quote that was uh, stated. He said it was, if you allow the government to tell you what medicines to take and foods to eat, you'll be in a worse state of tyranny. And I believe that's what we're allowed to do. We're letting this board people tell us what to eat and what to do. When again, individual liberty, everybody's an individual and they know their body better than you and I, you and I know them. And they're just telling you what they need by their symptoms. And we're, we're to be a good detective. We got to listen to that and not say, here's a pill. See you later. Right. Yep. So talk about PTSD. Uh, doctor, we'll start with you, Brandon, in this case, um, you found with some of the military they've been treated that um, uh, there's this uh, practice out there. They want you want to make sure your physi your your physiology is in balance before you can treat you know do any type of mental treatment. And when you've been testing, you've noticed that there's been a uh, significant amount of of patients that have low te testosterone. Hundred percent. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, two things. The brain, the hypothalamus. And the pituitary are very soft and they sit in a bony structure called the optic chiasma. TBI is pictured the brain shaking against some it. This part called the hypothalamus talking the pituitary actually sends these releasing hormones in certain frequency and amplitude. If they're thrown off, like in a woman, the number one reason why women have amenorrhea, irregular cycles is emotional stress. So that's how important it is are to be perfect. So when those are thrown off, in TBI, the first two hormones that decrease in a man is growth hormone and then the gonadotropins, FSH and LH. Now, back to the vaccines. They get a lot more vaccines than a normal, normal adult American. Where does aluminum mercury go? It gets stored in the fattest part of our body so it can't damage. Heavy metals cause damage to the liver, the lungs, the kidney. So where does your body want to store it so it doesn't hurt the other key organs? It happens to store it right where I told you with the blood brain barriers in the brain. So now that can distort again, them talking to each other. Now, PTSD, I'm no pro at a gym. It just happened to be over time. We got referred to it. The clinic at the, uh, at the, at the army base sends to us a lot of their patients because they find that the guys coming to us are, are with, with testosterone under 100, 150. So the limbic system, the brain that makes you have good moods 
the grumpy old man syndrome is accentuated in post-Australian syndrome. And the, the uh, fallacy that testosterone causes anger issues is not, not natural bioidentical. It's a synthetic to have the peaks and valleys. The high sustained natural state of a level over a thousand actually calms people down, allays the brain to heal and talk to each other. Now they can go through their, their, psych, their, their counseling, the right vitamin D, the right test, the right, uh, I like the word orthomolecules. I love that phrase of that. But Jim, you cannot run a ga- an engine without gas and without oxygen for the carburetor. And I finding that when we fine tune them with the right essential fatty acids, the probiotics, the vitamin D, the vitamin C, and the gasoline, the testosterone, as well as the T3 and reverse T3 properly balanced, that gives them a time to heal. And we found great, great success of that. We never throw away counseling. We're just the allowing the engine to get ramped up again, a tune-up to go to the proper counseling. Yeah, that's super fascinating. I got to tell you, because I never have really looked at testosterone in relation to PTSD. And I mean, I'm going to look at hormones like as I need to. And the only reason I started doing it is because there were so many incompetent physicians basically sending me patients. That's really the, the, the net net of it. When I had to look at labs and go, uh, they said this was normal. You know what I mean? It was kind of being lost. Like, this isn't good. Doctor, can I jump in real quick? Can I jump in real quick on this? This yeah, is important yeah. on normal. We start talking about this. Today, LabCorp says 264 to 916 is the range for a man. A woman is 3 to 41. Duke says 170 to 700. Okay, great. That's the range. How about a question? What was it 50 years ago? Right. 50 years ago, it was 800 to 1400 for a man around 150 to 250 for a woman. So the question we should ask ourselves is being, you know, detectives, why? Testosterone is formed from estrogen and estrogen is formed from testosterone. They go back and forth. There's an enzyme called aromatase. But what controls the production of testosterone is estrogen. And we're getting neuroendocrine disruptors called xenoestrogens in the environment. So our body is seeing, thinking we got more than we do, so we make less. That's why we, these numbers are correct, but they're not a healthy population base. Uh, we're, at, we're at an unhealthy population base, base. That's the problem. We're calling these common normals levels normal because they are common, but we have unhealthy. Chapel Hill did a paper last summer, said 12% of Americans are metabolically healthy. So we're looking at bad numbers calling normal. So right. when I look at numbers, I look at what they were before. And you look back before, there's less cardiovascular disease. There's less dementia. There's less Alzheimer's. There's less autism because we had higher levels. So our machinery was better adapted to survive in this environment. And these plastics out there were not out there. Right. Well, I actually, and I take it further when I explain this to people. Yes, um, doctor. That is that I like to take it. I'm like, what if we really want to know how a human is really supposed to be? What are these real numbers? we should have been able to go, go back a hundred thousand years and get labs on all of those people. Yep. See what it's like before we did electrification of the planet. Oh. See what it was like before there was glyphosate, before DDT, before, uh, you know, atomic bombs, all of it. I don't really know what optimal is. And none of us actually do because I want to see what those humans who were before grain artificial diet came into the picture, like everything, like at least 40,000 years, that'd be nice. Now, the closest we could get to that are some of these secluded indigenous tribes. But, you know, if you try to reach that little tribe in India, they're going to kill you as you get near the, you know, people die. So like, I don't, you know, it's like, oh, that would be so great to see 
what are those numbers? Because you know, you look at populations, and I'll get back to the question, uh, Jim, but like a group in Siberia, they live to 140. Women are having babies at 60. There's a reason for that. So like, there's a lot of question of like, is any of this even normal? Is menopause even a normal thing? Is this what we did 100,000 years ago? What, what really is normal? What does it mean to be human? And what is the optimal? So you're very right. They're using this bell curve to come up with this thing of, of what is. But I'll tell you with PTSD with me, I just hit foundational um, nutrition, basically make sure we're not, we're, I'm feeding the prefrontal cortex. And so I'm trying to turn the amygdala off. I'm teaching them vagal nerve exercises. And I'm just using neural feedback. I'm going and doing direct operant conditioning on the brain. And I'm looking at actually what's the situation of where is it coming from? And so just by dealing with arousal levels, under arousal, over arousal, activating certain parts of the brain, silencing other parts of the brain, I get that same response and same recovery, right? And so it's really interesting to, you know, now I'm like, wow, the idea of coupling. But I will say this, I have had guys, it's been so bad where I can see it's this. And I say, I'm not gonna, I, you do have to do with neurofeedback. They have to be ready. And so metabolic problems can definitely stop um, the neurofeedback from working. So if I have so bad, I'm like, oh no, we have to, I've had to say, we have to optimize these hormones. This is really, really bad. Or we have lead poisoning. I run the labs. I'm like, oh, there's no point in doing anything until I chelate this lead up. This is why you can't methylate. You can take 8,000 supplements on earth. Nothing's going to work with this level of lead. Um, so there, there is that nuance of getting it ready so the therapy can work. And that's what I heard you just say. I get them ready so the therapy can work. And I do less talk therapy because usually people have come to me after they've been to talk therapy so much and it's just failed and it's just no point in it anymore. And it's like, yeah, don't, don't talk anymore and they can relax. And I basically hold a mirror up to their brain and let their brain figures out what it's been doing incorrectly. But it's it really, really fascinating. Now the idea, I would love to see a study coupled with, because neurofeedback, they've done the VA studies on PTSD and alcoholism and we knock it out the park better than anything else on the planet. But coupled that with, you know, looking at testosterone levels and you did that at the same time, I, I would, it would, I'm sure it would be beyond. My, my, my thing doc is we have about the proofs in the pudding. We got about 30 <laughs> men with PTSD the last few years, about that over 45, 50 that they've told me they went through everything. And this is the, the I got a couple of them back out their masters, got back their doctorates. They came back uh, so, I mean, maybe down the line, we could actually, I know, believe it. I mean, it makes total sense. It makes podcast with a few of these men just tell their stories because yeah. it's truly amazing when you hear, you know, it's not, it's not us talking. It's these men that said, I was here. I am here. Or the wives saying they had, you know, cases full of pills. And now my, now my guys, you know, get his MBA working out and he's back. So it's, 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 you know, we can see it. We know, again, I love your functional approach. That's is what's really important. When the, Function comes with structure. When the structure's beat up, it can't be functional. So you got to fix the structures, the function can work. And then you have results. Yep. So I have somewhat of a case study for you. Um, I'm going to read this off to you. And I'm just kind of curious to, uh, how you both might approach something like this. Um, Mark is 38. He's been living in seclusion for the last 12 plus months in Denver or Boulder. Boulder, Boulder. He's been very worried about the disease, in this case, COVID. Um, plus Boulder and Colorado general have been very shut down and making it all much worse. We call that he has serious learning processing problems and went to special ed classes through high school. 
He has never worked normal except labor jobs as a kid. He has very limited capabilities compared to any of your kids, so shift your frame of, of reference. He's not generally responsible about daily life, i.e. preparing food, getting exercise, etc. Since he has not been going out, he has not been eating well. This led to stomach problems like indigestion, leading to further restriction in his diet, leading to losing a lot of weight. He's very gaunt and has lost a huge portion of his muscle mass, like half or at least a quarter. It's dumbfounding how much one can waste away in a year, which is about how long it has been since we saw him last. So thoughts on that? You first, Doc. Well, I mean, thoughts are, first of all, it's sad, but I will say this, what was starting, because again, this is what I see. I definitely want to know a lot of family history around uh, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, things of that nature. I don't know if he's been covering up that he's actually been having um, hallucinations or delusion or paranoid thinking of some sort. I'm thinking very strongly around methylation and histamine levels. So I would absolutely be running genetics. I would absolutely be running um, various mental health panels. I would be running organic acid panels and looking at the gut while knowing, okay, I need to figure those nuances out because there's definitely going to be answers in there, right? I'm definitely thinking there's probably a severe, um, I'm leaning energetically very strong towards some type of delusional thinking, schizoaffective of some situation. Again, need to know what does that mean with the learning? Is it an IQ issue for real or has it been something that's, it, you might have a very high IQ and it might not be, it might be misdiagnosed. So if there was an, if there was, I wanna see all that stuff. Um, and I would start though first with bigger macro type things we're feeding him, right? I gotta get an insane amount of animal protein, animal fat, uh, things to feed and nourish him, you know, eggs and organs and bone marrow and, and brains and all kinds of stuff. If I can get him to eat all that. Um, uh, and I want to know genetics on the family. Like, what are they? You know, like it matters to me. Are we Ashkenazi Jew? Are we Irish? Are we Scottish? I, the, those things matter to where I, my, where my brain is going to go. Um, because I have like three different pathways my brain can go down. But I would, he needs, he clearly he's malnourished. And so looks like we'd have to augment with possible hormones, with peptides, something need to be, he needs to be built up first before I would address his brain. I mean, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Before I look at what's this underlying mental health issue, because as he's wasting away, the brain now is anorexic. And so we, we've got to start, you know, with that. But it can be helped if there's family support. So here's the thing: I can take. I've seen many. And I'm not saying he's schizophrenic. I'm just giving you an idea. That's an extreme. There's things though that are histamine, high histamine levels, histopenia, uh, pyrrole disorder. There are things that are I'm thinking about. I want to see and and, and discount. Um, I can't go into, and I don't know if anybody, I've, nobody I know who does what I do and has trained me and is better than me has, can do this go into the gutters and pull out like 20 homeless schizophrenic men and get rid of their schizophrenia because you have to have a strong foundation. The reason I've been successful with the people I've been successful with that have that and things like severe issues is because they have a very strong support system. So if the, we don't have shelter, food, safety, love on board, it's hard to correct anything. <clears throat> Right. So we have to have those there. That's that's the foundation of dealing with anything like this. But it definitely sounds like there's a underlying 
severe anxiety disorder, mental health issue that's at, 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 you know driving possibly obsessive compulsive high histamine. I'd want to I'd want to see some numbers. Okay, great, Dr. Brandon. Yeah, because because of that hot thigh thing, I want to look at her energy sources. Everything she says, like 100 percent. And then again, I'm looking at adrenals, thyroid, growth hormone, testosterone, estrogen, and not you know, not normally just talked about today because that's very very important. Because for him to do the healing, for him to absorb the food, to utilize the the, the a nice ribeye, he needs to have the testosterone, the thyroid working properly. So let's look at the energy sources. Um, but again, you can't make somebody want to do this. I love what you talked about the family support. If that's there, then there's an opportunity. But you want to look at all the fuel sources. There's no doubt in my mind he's low T or has sarcopenia. Um, and I, and, and what, we're, what we talk about doing, there's zero harm. There's these things by replenishing nutrition, by giving food, by getting the thyroid optimal, by getting testosterone optimal, there's zero harm. There's only benefit. And that's why it's important to understand that. It's not, there's no side effects to this. Um, the side effect is not doing anything. So I would want to make sure that he has the opportunity to ingest the, the substrates that she'd recommend um, that allow the body to metabolize it correctly to get to the brain. The first thing his body's going to do is not going to build the bicep. It's going to re regenerate that brain and yep. that's fat. Yeah. You got to have it's the food and, and the, the, the hormones are going to be done. He's going to probably need all that replaced. I, I needed all mine replaced after 14 years as a vegetarian. Yeah. I was 12 years a vegan. That's basically a form of you know anorexia without realizing it. And so I was starving and my thirties, I was like, you're in menopause. I'm like, what? They're like, you can't have a baby. You're in menopause and blah, 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 blah. You have estrogen. We need thyroid. We need estrogen. I was on everything, you know, and six months of eating, going back like a human and taking that, I got pregnant. I was like, oh, okay. That, that was, that happened. So you, you need, right. He won't need all that for life. And then from there, once you get stable, like all these little finesse nuances that I would do to be like, how did this happen in the first place? Because he might need uh, a thousand times the amount of B3 that I need. He, it's very common. B3, zinc, um, and C are super, super common. Like they need mega doses. And then these mental illnesses are gone. But that's a very specific, that's a very specific thing you have to test out. The doctor's talking about methylation. That's a molecule of a carbon with three hydrogens. That goes on our DNA. That can actually, that can actually date how old you are by yeah. looking at the methylation on a DNA sequence. It's critical. And it's, it's, it's a massive issue with mental health. And, 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 there, and I, my specialty in OB was recurrent miscarriage. And one of that is MTHFR, which is, again, a, a problem with our methylation, uh, homocysteine in our body. We talked about glutathione too, Bill, the, uh, Jimmy Ford. And all this goes together. Methylation is a problem. And that's why it's important because when that happens, then organs, primarily the brain in this case, uh, uh, gets wiped out by having us not be able to clean ourselves properly. And then there are people with genetic uh, predispositions to not be able to methylate properly and will age. Like those diseases, we have these young people aging extremely fast. That is a hyper methylation state. And that's why it's important to understand the genetics part of that. Fascinating stuff. And obviously we could continue on this podcast for another four hours and uh, we may just do that. We may just have, you know, three or four more sessions of this down the road. Um, anything else that you want to bring up today that we haven't covered? Both of you. Uh, <laughs> um, 
You know, I often, my story is about trying to help people understand that, you know, why would they would need, and I love you brought, if I, we saw the numbers 10,000 years ago or 50, the labs 50 years ago, hundred years ago, cause they keep changing, they keep getting weaker. We keep normalizing mediocrity, right? And so the normalization of sickness and mediocrity instead of optimization, you know, is part of the problem. And how does that happen? The further we deviate from the natural environment of the earth of being connected to how we should live with waking up to the sun and going to bed when it goes down and hunting and being cold when it's cold and hot when it's hot instead of controlling everything our environment so extreme and so severely with all our technology is why I think we're aging faster while we're seeing hormones getting suppressed. Why, why we're having to counteract now with so many therapies and take so many things where our great grandparents didn't have to do any of that. And my mom always jokes, she's like, what is going on that and nobody can seem to get pregnant nowadays. She's like, back in my day, a man would walk into a room and one of us would get pregnant. She's like, not everybody has to spend $80,000 getting treatments to do it. And we know it's the, right. It's all the plastics and the, this, and Anthony Gaze wrote that incredible book uh, on it, you know, but there's so many things we have to explain to people like living in this chemical factory, this bathed in plastic, plastic bottles and all this bizarre living. and, And it takes a toll on our biology. So if you can at least be mindful of that and say, what can I do today that connects me to the earth again? And the sun, the dirt, the ocean, you know, hiking, these are all good for you. The idea of stay in your home around under toxic lights and stay up all night watching Netflix or porn or whatever we're encouraging people to do, that's destroying their testosterone. That's ruining your estrogen. This is jacking up your cortisol. It's killing your mitochondria. So that to me is the story I try to do. And yes, I micromanage people's hydrogen and and all this stuff and what goes on their mitochondria. And I might push some L-carnitine in there and I might give molecular hydrogen. I might do BPC-157, but all of that is because I'm, I'm using as kind of band-aids and patching to counteract the poison of the technology that basically they're flooding themselves with. Because poison comes in the form of the glyphosate in the air, the water and the food that you're eating that's been sprayed from Monsanto. And it's also in the form of the 5G 5G and the Wi-Fi. It's also in the form of your sunlight deficiency because sunlight does a whole lot more than just vitamin D. That's just a small fraction of what it's doing. So we've, we've got to really start questioning the narrative of, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I've been, anti-AMA for a really long time. If they say jump, I say crouch. You know what I mean? Whatever they say to do, just do the opposite. Chances are you're going to be better off. So if they say you need to go low fat, I need a lot of fat. If they say, you know, give every baby one of these little ITV, then don't let your kids look at them. Right? So like, that's where I'm at. Like, again, none of this stuff is natural. And so how can you connect yourself to what people were doing 10,000 years ago? A little bit today, just a little bit more. That's, that, that's gonna move your biological meter towards optimization. Those are my final thoughts, I guess. Greg? Next. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else you can add to that, huh? Well, I mean, she says something about 20 minutes ago, she brought up again, was the, 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 electro, the electro currency of our body, the, five, the 5G. 1G studies have just been released. Let that sink in. 
the studies on animal studies on one G have just been released and they show it increases cancer. 5G is a one millimeter wave. It's larger than any insect in the world. We have no idea what this is going to do to insect population, what that does to our biome. All these naturalists that want to save the world are killing it because they think they're no more than God. So when I hear about that, that's one thing. Dr. McCullough's book on 5G is phenomenal on this. But it's, it's we don't know how many things are done. Um, I'm going to end with this. There's a great book called The Law by Bastia, written in 1850. And it talks about liberty. And in the last section, he talks about all these soothsayers, all these witchcraft doctors, uh, you know, that know better than, than, than nature. And if they mess up, doesn't matter. They scrap a heap because they're never a part of the study. They're outside the study. They're letting the general population be part of the study. They mess up here. They mess up there. They move on. And his, his ending is what I love. He says, we should, those, those ideas should never be on the scrap of history. We should go back. To we never should have left. And that is in God and his works and true liberty. And that's what this is about. It's about freedom. If people want to do all this stuff, fine. But if you do something that has repercussions on individuals without informed consent, then you're liable. And that's, that's what's sad to me is that nobody's liable for any of these things for the general population. And us, we're here to help these people heal. And I'm grateful we are. I looked at, I looked at a vegan for 14 years. Now she understands that ribeye is good. And I'm loving that. Yeah. So, um, I think, Jim, I think it's exciting. I think when you have uh, things that are done that are very dark, light can be very bright. And I believe the future of true healthcare is going to be better in the future because people are going to realize preventive health is what's a lot better than putting a Band-Aid on a sickness. And uh, I'm excited about that. Well, I thank you both for being here today and Continue to wish you both nothing but the best in your practices and uh, looking forward to round three down the road. All right. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you so much. It was a pleasure. Dr. Stephanie, thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Thank you, Greg. It was awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.